If you enjoy audio drama and fiction podcasts, sign up for the Fiction Podcast Weekly. It's an email newsletter with the latest news, events, creative opportunities, job listings, behind-the-scenes production resources, podcast milestones, debuts, and finales. Plus, it's free. Sign up now at thepodcasthost.com slash fictionpodcastweekly. Hey, Sarah. Yes, Lindsay. Guess what? What? This is episode six. We made it to six episodes. Six! That's equivalent to the product of two and three. One more than five or four less than ten. Oh my goodness, I just did maths as well. I must be excited. And in French, it sounds like six, which means stop in English and I guess American. But oh, we are not stopping, people. No, 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 no. For no. we are joyous and excited to bring forth all six. This episode on our forthcoming sixth coming topic of script writing for audio fiction, fiction, fun. I knew that you could summarize my joy and gratitude in an appropriate fashion. And here's where the excitement levels up. We got reviews. What? Yes, these people got our six, man. Uh, Yes, Stephen Indrasano and Fiona Threll of the Mighty Dashing Onions. Thank you. We heartily, heartily thank you. Thank you for for taking the time to let folks know what you think of our fab little show and how useful it is in focusing on the, the craft of audio script writing in a fun and groovy way. So thank you. Yes, reviews are great. They help us show up on all the various algorithms. They guide us to improve the show and make it more interesting. So please feel free to write more reviews. Yes, please do. And you can put those reviews on Podchaser or Apple Podcast, or you can tweet to us at Adwit Podcast, or write to us at writersadwit at gmail.com. Please do. And you could also put a message in a bottle if you like and just throw it out to sea with podcast recommendations on and just, you know, see what happens. I, uh, I did always want to, to find a message in a bottle, Lindsay. Me you? too. Mm. Me too. I guess to find one, maybe you have to send one. Mm. It'd okay. be depressing if you found the same one you sent, though. <laughs> I don't well, Wait. I don't know. I don't know if it would be just depressing or just instructive. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, like, and it would teach <laughs> you that physics. what you put out into the world comes, comes back to you. Come, 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 a bottle of stories told. Lovely. Yeah. Yes, so uh, on with episode six, shall we? Um, So far, we've talked about plot, character, dialogue. Uh, What are we going to talk about this time, Lindsay? Text and subtext. Mm. Text and subtext. Mm. Text and subtext. This is my ASMR text and subtext. What what are you trying to say there, Lindsay? Are you you repeating because I'm a poor listener? Is that what it is? Or is your your brain breaking? Are you sharing some nuance? What, 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 what? What are you doing? Text and subtext. What does that mean? What does it mean? Text, obviously, is the dialogue that the characters say, the actions they take, the world of the story. And no, we are not going to talk about world building. Oh, Lindsay, I do love me some world building. We're not going to talk about world building. We really have to, though, don't we? And we owe it to ourselves to talk about world building. World building is dumb, and I don't want to talk about it. Come on, Lindsay, we owe it to the gorgeous and glorious people out there. Hello, who are listening to to talk about world building. They might not be listening. They might be reading the transcripts. Oh, okay. True. And well done on those, by the way. But we have to talk about world building. Not today. Eventually. Eventually. Maybe. Maybe. Today we're going to talk about, maybe some other time. Today we're going to talk about text and subtext. 
Text is what's obvious in the story that you're trying to tell. Lie, yes, yea, what is written. And in the beginning was the word, and the word was frippery. No, subtext. Yep. So, what is subtext? Comes from sub, meaning below, and text, meaning what I just said. Uh It means the undercurrent, underlying theme, what isn't said out loud, shown to the audience, or in our case, made audible. It's what the audience can safely assume or fill in for themselves. Why don't they call it supertext? Why supertext? Uh, because, well, you know, it's an overarching thing that makes people feel something. It, it flies over it like a, like a superhero. Yeah, but not all superheroes can fly. Oh, come on, name one. Wonder Woman. Oh, yes, she can. The invisible jet does not count. <sighs> Lindsay, is, 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 there a, is there a cat in you? Also, Batman, he can't fly. Wait, wait, does a Wonder Woman lasso lightning or something and, and hang on to it? And that's, right, but then she's not flying. She's using an object to pull her through the air like Tarzan. Oh, to be honest, I'd like to use Tarzan to pull me through the air, but that's, that's for another story. Um, so, so, Lindsay, uh, what, what's wrong with the cat? We've got. Oh, that's just sass. Sassafras, the cat. Anyway, and Thor, he doesn't really fly either. He just swings Mjolnir around like a slingshot and hangs on. Oh, yeah. So I don't think you should just take care of the cat, please. Who, Sass? Hmm. She's fine. She's got food. She's got water. She's got her litter box. Anyway, this isn't isn't even the point. The point is, it's not supertext. It's subtext. Supertext is something else. Listen, uh, maybe, maybe you should just check on the cat, please, poor pussy. Sarah, come on. we got to record this podcast. Yeah, but it's not going to take you long. I can wait. What's a minute? Come on. She's always like this. It's not a big deal. Lindsay, please check on the cat. She must be hurting or or something's wrong. Can you please just, 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 please, just. (sighs) Sass Kitty, what's wrong? (laughs) (laughs) That's a a really good sound effect. Well done. Isn't it? Vince did a really good job with those meows. Right? Bless. Hey, Vince, what else can you make make the cat noise do? <laughs> and let's have a warm round of applause for our sound designer, Vincent Friel. <laughs> yeah, he looks good in that uh, slinky cat costume, too. <laughs> I'm a very lucky woman. The reason I'm making a big deal out of this oh. is that I bet the audience for this episode is feeling pretty unhappy with me right now, <sighs> unless they hate cats. Well, even if they do hate cats, they probably think that you're maybe a neglectful human being, which you're Exactly. <laughs> At the very least, they feel like they can't trust me. Mm, but where are you not? This is just an exercise, folks. <laughs> Sarah and I are going to show you the purpose of this exercise. I'm sorry that I couldn't make it more clear from the beginning because otherwise it would not have worked. Mm -hmm. Let's rewind a bit here. Okay. So what is subtext? Comes from sub meaning below. So there's where the audience first hears the cat. Mm, And it sounds like no big deal. It's just a cat in the room, right? So when we hear the cat, we start to think something's not right here. That's subtext. Mm -hmm. And then you pointed out the cat's meow. So now the meow becomes text. And who's that? She's fine. Put a pin in that. Ah, ow, prick myself. The cat and the meowing become text. 
I said she's fine. She's got food. She's got water. She's got her litter box. But, you know, excuse me for saying, but, but you know, you just sounded a little like a, a heartless excuse for a human being because, well, you didn't mention, I don't know, love and cuddles and snuggles and playtime and tickling behind the ears so the cat goes like that. There's things the cat might need or want. Exactly. The subtext is, Lindsay's a heartless excuse for a human being because she's recording a podcast when she should be paying attention to the cat. Furthermore, cats have evolved and learned to make their meows as attention-grabbing as possible. So the listener is probably disturbed by the meow. So the audience is probably a little bit rattled by all that meowing anyway. Or they think the cat was trying to warn you that, I don't know, house is on fire or something. The cat is telling the audience to tell you to pay attention to it. It's, um, it's pussy sense is tingling. <laughs> can, I, can I say that, Lindsay? No. Oh. So the audience is filling in the blanks with cat is disturbed. Cat is probably neglected. Cat is trying to tell us something. What's wrong with this picture? And the audience starts to do what I like to call solving for X. Ooh, what is solving for X? This is when we instinctively make assumptions based on what the story tells us and what it doesn't explicitly tell us. For example, if a math equation says that 2 plus X equals 4, it's safe to assume that X equals 2 or 1 plus 1 or 0.5 times 4. Maths. I don't like math either. But what does subtext do for us as audience members? Uh, The aqueducts. You're too surreal sometimes. Just a Python fan, still in love with Michael Palin. (laughs) Subtext, do you love good guys? Maybe. My favorite film is actually Brazil. Wait. Anyway, audience members, subtext, what does it do for us? Well, we have to do a little bit of work so we feel involved. Our own experience and knowledge bears on the subject. We fill in the blanks with our own experience and our own feelings about that missing data, as in the aforementioned case with the cat meowing. Mm -hmm. Subtext doesn't have to be created via sound effects. Dialogue is usually where we play with it the most, because people who have known each other for a long time don't spell everything out, like we talked about last time with dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it's where the audience has to fill in the blanks the most. Sarah, when you see your daughter first thing in the morning, what are you likely to say to her? I love her. Uh, I say, uh, good morning, my holly pops. How you doing this morning? Did you sleep well? Uh, I need coffee. Right. You're not likely to say, good morning, my wonderful, intelligent daughter who is sleepy and needs help preparing for her day, but doesn't want my help. So I'm only going to push you to get ready for school just enough, unless, of course, it seems as though you're procrastinating, in which case I really will push you. <laughs> I Sometimes I want to say, bring me my pipe and slippers and slap me a kipper on the hob and don't stint on the coffee, my dear. But I don't. In some context, hey, it's eight o'clock, have you brushed your teeth yet? Can be loaded with a labyrinth of love, frustration, and history. Yes, I have, by the way. You? You? Of course, shines pearly whites this side of the Mississippi. Oh, that's very shiny. So let's try out some examples of text and subtext and how it includes the audience in the storytelling process. Oh, groovy, the good stuff. So last time we talked about The Tower by Tin Can Audio. Today we are going to talk about The Dungeon Economic Model by Tin Can Audio. So exciting. I just say I do love all that Tin Can does in many ways and forever, always and forever. I think David, David Devereux is a genius. Uh, this episode feels like a business presentation. Yes. In this case, 
the business presentation is trying to convince local governments to build dungeons in the interest of prosperity. Mm. They say, oh, warning, spoilers, warning, spoilers for the Dungeon Economic Model by Tin Can Audio. If you have not yet listened to the first episode, go listen to it right now. It was good, wasn't it? They listened. We can do that, Jacob. That was so good. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Great. So they say a dungeon has become a staple in towns wishing to be prosperous in very much the same way that churches once were. Yes. People making pilgrimages to cathedrals would spend money in that town. Yeah. I mean, of course, people need weddings and funerals and baptisms and confessions, don't they? Yes. Mm-hmm. Churches bring people. People spend money. But. The way this is presented makes us wonder why are churches no longer a marker of prosperity? Mm. Has there been a loss of pilgrims and rituals? Has there been a loss of faith? I was the church door when it's not a church door. Oh, no. When it's a jar. We derailed again. It's a jar. Okay, so they talk about how monster hunters go to where they can be paid to hunt monsters, They're going to go where the money is. Therefore, Mm -hmm. the smart thing to do is to wall up the monster in a dungeon so that adventurers will come to the dungeon to hunt monsters. Because, of course, all monsters are rich. True life statement. They have treasure. Shiny. They they are a giant pile of risk and reward. Mm -hmm. Monster hunters and or adventurers will come to town, hunt the monsters, get the treasure, and spend money locally, whether at the tavern afterwards or getting armed before. So this basic setup reminds us of... Uh, I don't know, the A-team. Uh, James Bond. Uh, one of our dinosaurs is missing. You're getting close. Mm-hmm. I think most people are going to say, oh, this reminds me like the setup for every single Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game <laughs> I've ever played. But yep. for me personally, it reminds me of this. And this may be resonant for people who grew up near Las Vegas or Atlantic City or Reno. When casinos come to a city that doesn't have legalized gambling, it's usually because there is demand for gambling there and there's demand for jobs and money. Casino companies promise citizens that they'll provide good, stable employment. Local governments are promised tax dollars. Local businesses are promised an uptick in business because people will come to the casino, presumably win money and spend it around town. Everything on black. And all of this is utter bullshit, and we can discuss that another time. You said bullshit. Yeah, I guess I'd better ask Vince to bleep that. So the beauty of the episodes is that they set up these questions, and the episodes are so short that just as you're saying, wait, how is it that monsters have treasure? Why is this a guarantee that adventurers will come and spend money? How is having a monster in my town a good thing? The episode is over, and you're left trying to solve for X. Oh, you promised there wouldn't be any more maths. Um, no, I'm sorry. I can't do math either. It's maths, mathematics, maths. maths. Whatever it is, I still can't do it. Um, on that note, here's our writing exercise for text and subtext. Hooray, fanfare. Hooray. It's called the platform exercise. Ooh. You need to know, basically, who, where, activity, and why, or what's really going on here. Mm. Remember, there's a difference between action, which moves things forward, and activity, which is just for decoration. In this case, the activity, remember how we talked about before with the Rube Goldberg devices uh, and the, what are they called again? Heath kits? Heath? Robinson. Heath Robinson machines. Wallace and Gromit. Remember, we talked about that before. In this case, the activity is your text, 
The why is your subtext. Yes. Now, can you, Lindsay, of House Harris Friel, please just break that down in a way that simpletons like me who need to check the recipe again and again, even as I'm pouring the flour, will be able to understand what I'm what I'm supposed to do exactly. Okay. Your inept cook analogy means kiss, right? I don't know. You felt that way. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll take a hug, though, please. Listeners, please send Sarah a hug. Thank you. Okay. Listening? Yep. Did you get the hugs? A few. Thank you. I needed that. Okay. So you have two characters with a long-standing relationship to each other. Don't uh-huh. overthink this. Just write a parent and adult child, mm-hmm. a pair of adult siblings, two people who have known each other for more than 10 years, something with history and emotional investment for the both of them. Oh, okay. Like, say, I don't know, clergy and parishioner, doctor and patient, next door neighbors, a person and their child's nanny, uh, parents of kids the same age, members of an Amdram group. Yes, Sarah, those are great examples, but stop now. Okay. So give them a place, an activity, and a reason to be there. For example, mom is taking her daughter dress shopping, oh. but all the dresses are two small sample sizes. Oh. And it's for her daughter's wedding. Oh my God, I love a wedding. What should I wear? Or you have two co-workers making coffee. Oh, terrifying. But they're out of filters. Oh, the humanity. And they have to use something else. Ugh. And it's the day a regional manager is coming to inspect. Mm, disaster. I mean, whose pants were cleanest? Hmm? Exactly. Or two next door neighbors are doing a block cleanup the day after a holiday parade or something. Mm-hmm. Know for yourself why this is important to them, but do what you can to avoid mentioning why this is important to them. Oh. Figure out what they talk about instead. Don't write more than 10 lines of dialogue total. Think like a haiku, not like a sonnet. So make your words count well. Don't just fritter them away. Words are so precious. Then dial it 10 years into the future and 10 years into the past. How do the characters and situations change? Well, one of them has thrush and a beard now. Mm, not going to affect the audio so much. Well, unless it was a, a, a giant beard and everyone they met just got tangled up in it and communities of people just lived in it and new religions and empires grew and then, then the, the bearded one died of, of complications through the thrush. And oh, good the... Lord. You need less coffee and I need more. Again, don't overthink this. It's just an exercise. And also don't worry about... For these exercises, these 10 lines of dialogue exercises, don't worry about the ending for okay. now. I won't. Just, Thank you, Lindsay. Yep. Only write about 10 lines of dialogue and don't work on this for more than 15 minutes, then walk away. Okay, bye. No, not you, Sarah. Come back. Oh, oh sorry. Yes, thank you. And, and on that note, I, I think I think we've maybe come to the end of this episode. We, but don't cry. No, no, no. There will be another one. And and Lindsay. Mm-hmm. You gonna feed your cat? I don't want to disturb her. She's all curled up, having a little snoozle right now. Aww. Oh, lovely little cat. The hosts of the AdWit Podcast and 6630 Productions would like to inform you that no animals were harmed, neglected, abused, or in any way inconvenienced for the making of this episode. You lucky folks have been listening to the Audio Drama Writer's Independent Toolkit, hosted by Sarah Golding and Lindsay Harris-Friel. Audio engineering, sound design, and music. Gorgeous music by Vincent Friel. Huzzah! 
If you enjoyed what you heard, oh, please do write us a review on Podchaser or on Apple Podcasts or any podcatcher, quite frankly. We'd love to hear what you think. Or you can tweet about us if you like. Yes, our Twitter handle is at AdwitPodcast. And please do keep in touch. We'd love to know how you're getting on with all the exercises and more. Or if you just want to say hello, do that too. You can write to us at writersadwit at gmail.com. And for more information about what we're doing and what we're up to and how, visit our website at adwit.org. Thank you very much for listening, people. I hope you have a good day. Take care. Bye. Adwit is created and recorded on the unceded land of the Lenny Lenape Nation. To learn more about the Lenape, their history, and their culture, please visit their website at lenapenation.org. Sixty-six thirty productions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.